Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the NBA Strategy Show. It is Friday, January 15th. I am Josh Engelman. I am joined by Greg Ehrenberg. We left you together on the NBA show last night. We join you together today to break it all down. Eight games, not 10, which is nice because that's easier to break down and a much more manageable slate. So let's start here. Greg, how are you doing? Uh, good. You, you know, it's funny. Actually, I don't like the double digit game slates. I think that's I think that's too many. I don't like the two or three game slates. I think that's usually not enough. But anything kind of like the four ish to eight game range, I kind of think is perfect. So I don't want to go out and say the dumb thing like I'm happy the games got canceled for the reasons they do. But I don't mind. I don't mind the fallout of it. Oh, neither do I. I would say, and I'm not trying to use these numbers for the joke, but uh, six to nine is my optimal range of uh, slates and other things. Um, but no, I obviously don't want games to get canceled at all, but, uh, 10 is, 10 is rough. Uh, Whatever we had that first day or second day of the season when it was like 12, that is just, that is dreadful. I hate that completely. Eight is perfect. As far as I'm concerned, we've got like a pretty interesting slate. Uh, value is in some weird spots. There's not a ton of it. Um, I'm excited to dive into it. Uh, how did everything end up for you last night? Uh, how much, uh, how much did shake Milton take you to the promised land? All right. So, uh, so we've talked, by the way, I'm still, people are tweeting me about Shake Milton. I'm getting DMs about him. People are sending articles about me. People in the Slack chat were tagging me on Shake Milton stuff last night. So when we were doing the show and yesterday we were talking about, Hey, who are the low owned plays we like at different positions. And I had said that I thought that Shake Milton was going way under owned and he was my favorite under owned play on the slate, which looked 
obviously in hindsight, that was a terrific call, but that's really where it should have stopped. Then is what happens is the Sixers starting lineup comes out and Tyrese Maxey is starting ahead of Shake Milton. So right before lock, then I'm scrambling to try to lower my exposure to Shake Milton because I had him around 20%. And I was like, well, that's, that's too high for Shake Milton coming off the bench. So I ended up finishing with him around 5%, which was 2x the field, but I really would have preferred that, that 20% number. And then I also should not have gone back to look at my old CSVs to see what some of my Shake Milton lineups looked like after this league. Because that was, that was really just me trying to uh, put the knife into the wound a little deeper. The good saving grace to this is that you did the right thing. Like unequivocally, when the news comes out that Maxi is starting over Shake Milton, Shake Milton is immediately not as good of a play. You have to discount his playing time in some way. He's definitely coming down in any logical person's model. Shake Milton is going to come down in projection. So at least you could take solace in the fact that like you did everything correctly. There's just nothing you can do. And, of course, on the jock market, I still had my bids in on Shake Milton that we talked about because those, those weren't coming off. Those were, those were in, and nobody else wanted Shake Milton, so I just had all of the Shake Milton on the jock market. Profitable on jock market. Thank you, Ben <laughs> Simmons. Thank you, Christian Wood. Uh, we can dive into stuff like that at a later date, but we've got eight games to get through and not a ton of time to do it. So 284 concurrent viewers. I know that number is going to climb up to like the 700s, but uh, if you're here already, please hit that thumbs up, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell. We are trying to get to 50,000 subscribers by the Super Bowl. So if you guys can help us on that push. completely agree with how are you feeling about the orlando magic with no evan fournier no markel fultz no michael carter williams uh where are you going with the orlando team yeah i would like to like cole anthony a ton at his price point to an extent i do but he's largely been terrible since moving into the starting lineup uh the chalk is justified just in terms of how many guys that they have out and that his price point on FanDuel is at 4500 so that's really cheap and the minutes have been there for him in in some of the more competitive games uh last game they got smashed they lost by over 20 points only played 23 but the game before he played over 30 minutes which is what i think we could generally expect if this is a close game the other thing to consider too is with the celtics covid situation this is a really banged up team right they're really short-handed so i don't think this is a super tough matchup so cole anthony i think that he's justified as chalk i wish he was playing a little bit better so far to open up the season uh, but still, I think the, for the price point on FanDuel, he's somebody I'm going to end up getting to. Yeah, big fan of Cole Anthony on that FanDuel price. 4500 just not the right price tag for someone that's going to play the minutes that he's going to be playing. Uh, I'm happy to get to a little bit of Dwayne Bacon on DraftKings at 3900 He's not exciting, but he's not picking up any ownership, and there's not a ton of value out there. Um, Aaron Gordon for 6500 on FanDuel is just comical given the usage boost that he gets. I really like the top end of this Orlando team. Do you like anything at the bottom? Any of the, like the weird guys that are going to play 24 minutes at low salaries? No, because we've seen it so much on these slates recently. 
even if somebody looks kind of fringy now, there's going to be so there's going to be so many strong value plays by the time the slate comes around. There's going to be players ruled out for COVID. There's going to be somebody who you know gets hurt in warmups or something like that. There's going to be a million value plays that open up that are that are better than the cheap Magic guys in, in all likelihood. On the Boston Celtics side, we're going to be without Jason Tatum. A um, little little COVID going on there for just, just, just uh, for a Tatum. Just a little bit of COVID. You could get a little bit of COVID, right? I think that's how it works. Anyway, uh, we're not going to have Jason Tatum. We're not going to have Kemba Walker. But Kemba Walker allegedly slowly working his way back. Uh, No Robert Williams. No Romeo Langford. No Carson Edwards. All the other guys are supposed to be questionable. And I'm anticipating everybody else playing as of right now, which means Jalen Brown is 9K on FanDuel, 8,900 on DraftKings, going to get infinite usage as much as he wants in pretty large minutes he's picking up ownership and i think that is completely warranted looks like a fantastic payoff option marcus smart is marcus smart he's 6200 on fanduel which looks really nice he's 7600 on DraftKings, which looks less nice uh tristan thompson is back at 4400 on fanduel i think that's a very viable center option although minutes are you know shrug as far as i'm concerned with the way that this center rotation is going to work what stands out most to you from the Boston side? I assume Jalen Brown. Yeah, so Jalen Brown. Actually, my favorite overall play from the team is Marcus Smart on FanDuel, but Jalen Brown as a, as a totality is is a good play. We also need to get some updates here because I'm not totally sure what the deal is and if these guys are going to play because we do have Jalen Brown's listed as questionable. Daniel Tice is listed as questionable. Javante Green is listed as questionable. And Semi Ojale is listed as questionable. Now, here's where I think I'm a little bit less confident in you that these guys are going to play even though they're listed as questionable because Tristan Thompson and Grant Williams were also both in the same COVID protocols, but they're listed as probable to play. So I do find it a little weird that these guys who are going through the exact same situation are probable where the other guys are listed as questionable. So that really makes it hard for me to know who it is that I'm actually going to like. Because uh, Tristan Thompson, let's say that that uh, Daniel Tice and Ojale both get ruled out. Like Thompson might have to play a bunch of minutes. Oh, yeah. I mean, if those guys start getting ruled out, this entire Boston team changes. Yeah. Uh, I'm just assuming that everyone has to be questionable until they basically turn up their negative test today. And when they do, everybody will be removed from the injury report. That's my expectation, at least. Um Otherwise, we're going to like like seven or eight dudes on Boston tonight because it's going to be just fully wide open. Yeah, the Marcus Smart 6,200 on FanDuel. That's that's the most broken price tag of anything on here. I do, however, uh, even if everybody is in, $3,500 Grant Williams on DraftKings might get a bit overlooked. That's a spot I would go if you're looking for at least a little bit of value. And if we lose any of those guys, even better. But I think Brown and Smart are the clear top options with Tristan Thompson existing as like a value center option. I don't have much else in this game. No, I I think there's there's more interest for me in the well, if if those Celtics guys all get ruled out, then that just becomes the top the top spot on the slate. But yeah, I, I think that as of now, how it stands, I have a little bit more interest in the Orlando side. Keep yourself abreast of the news in the NBA by following at Osimo NBA. Uh, the news guy taking over the Osimo NBA Twitter account, going to give you everything you need. If anything pops off, that is the spot you want to be following. So follow at Osimo NBA, and that will get you everything you need when it comes to NBA news. On to the New York Knicks and the Cleveland Cavaliers. This is insane. I had to update it just before we started. I don't know if you've seen the line on this game. The total is 198 right now i didn't know that that was possible in the nba in 2021 but uh 
the Knicks slight favorites in Cleveland. Best I can tell, all the people that have been out for Cleveland are still out. Dante Exum no longer with the team. Yogi Ferrell no longer on the team. Thon McCurr no longer on the team. Colin Sexton, Darius Garland both out. Looks like we're getting Andre Drummond back on that side. From a Knicks standpoint, um, we've got Reggie Bullock is questionable. Alec Burks is doubtful. Uh, I have Bullock in right now. Um, I don't know that it matters all that much from a DFS perspective, but at least a little bit. We'll start on the New York, on the Knicks side. Randall's 20 to 25% owned, depending on which side you're playing on. That should be not all that surprising. RJ Barrett and Alfred Payton picking up a little bit of ownership on Fandle. No one getting any ownership on DraftKings. Do you like anything from the Knicks in a really unappealing overall fantasy spot? So not on DraftKings because the guys are more expensive there. But then you get into FanDuel. It's been really hard to ignore Julius Randle as of late because he just plays 40-plus minutes every single game. Thibodeau runs him into the ground. And at a certain point, I assume this is going to catch up with the Knicks. They're playing around 500 right now. These guys are going to be all kinds of beat up by the season ends. But for now, while they're playing this kind of workload, it's it's hard for me to get away from Julius Randle, even RJ Barrett at FanDuel on FanDuel at uh, sixty three hundred. I was getting to him a little bit in my initial builds. Those are the two guys that stand out to me the most. The total is definitely a concern though. That and the Cavaliers have a legitimately good defense this year, and I don't know what to make of that. But we we are now a few weeks into the season, and the Cavs have been a top defensive efficiency team throughout the year, and that seems like it's not really going away. And then we also have, they added Jared Downs into the mix. I don't know how that's going to impact it. We'll talk about the Cavs in a second, because I have no clue what to make of their front court rotation going forward. Uh, but so for right now, a moderate amount of interest in Barrett and Randall on FanDuel and not a whole else that stands out to me beyond that. Yeah. Um, oh God, this is going to be wild. I don't know what they're doing. They've got like 27 centers and it's insane. I do like Mitchell Robinson a little bit at 6K on FanDuel. Nothing too crazy. He's already at 8% ownership, but I'd be happy to come in a little bit north of that. Um, just on a site where blocks are worth a little bit more. That lets me want to get to the Knicks. This low total is going to be really prohibitive. On the Cleveland side, though, there's a lot to like just because they don't have that many bodies. I still think Chetty gets a ton of minutes. So he's 5,100 on FanDuel, 6,200 on DK. He's ultra chalk on FanDuel, and he should be. That's the small forward position for you. Uh, Damian Dotson should play a ton of minutes. These guys are, they've got a ton of power forwards and centers and just essentially zero guards. So Damian Dotson's minutes feel pretty safe. He's picking up a ton of ownership. Dotson owned a lot on DK as well. This is the conversation we need to have. What does the center rotation look like for the Cleveland Cavaliers? And how often are they playing two centers at once? Well, so for right now, Jared Allen and Torian Prince are questionable to play. I'm not exactly sure what goes into that. Maybe there's additional protocols also because of COVID that they have to go through some sort of extra testing before they're available to play for the new team. I hope that that they're just out, these these new guys, just because I don't want to deal with it today. It's like, you know what I'll deal with that? I'll deal with it a couple of days from now because – it's, it's really hard to know. This is really weird pieces. I don't know how they fit. Are they going to, like Jared Allen, are they going to play him alongside Andre Drummond? If not, then why are they even considering trading for Jared? Like, I like Jared Allen a lot. And I'm yeah. lower on Andre Drummond than generally most people in the public are. Frankly, I'd rather have Jared Allen than Andre Drummond for, for a long term. But yes. it's, it's, such, it's such a wonky fit. I don't want him on the court together. And they also have Larry Nance out there. He's played reasonably well this year. Obviously, at some point, Kevin Love is going to come back. So, yeah, maybe. I, I think it was uh, Larry Nance who joked about it on Twitter. It's, it's now they just have sex land covered in trees. 
because it's, yeah. it's Colin Sexton, it's Darius Garland, and then just a ton of centers. So I don't know what they're going to do with it, and I don't have a real confident read on the center rotation. Uh, to me, though, I think Andre Drummond should get his minutes no matter what, given how well he's playing right now. So I hope that Jared Allen's just ruled out, and then Andre Drummond, I'd be fine with him as a payup option. Per Chris Fedor, as of now, Cavs are expecting the newbies Jared Allen and Torian Prince to arrive this afternoon. The current plan, barring something happening, is for both of them to play. All right. Well, that makes me feel less confident in Andre Drummond because yeah. unless they're I, going to play Drummond and Allen together, which I, I guess they'll do for a few minutes, but it's such a wonky fit. Are they really going to play these? Are they going to start them together? Are they going to play significant minutes with them together on the court? I, w- I would have to decrease Andre Drummond's minutes in a pretty significant way if uh, Jared Allen's in there and they're not starting alongside each other. I gave them 26 and 22, splitting all of the center minutes and not playing alongside each other at all. Um, I, I don't know what else to do right now. I have no interest in Andre Drummond at 9,800 or 9,300. To me, he's impossible to play right now. And I clearly don't have any interest in Jared Allen. Uh, his role is changing just a bit. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's right back to when he was playing uh, like 21 minutes with the, with the Nets. He somehow wound up in that same position after playing the best basketball of his life for a week. It's like, guess what? You get your old role back. Now, one one quick question before we move on: What would you if Jared Allen and Andre Drummond start together? Yeah, what would you do with that situation? I'd play Drummond then. Um, I would email Fanduel to withdraw all my <laughs> contests. Um, no, i I would be I would be willing to play Jared, or I would be willing to play Andre Drummond in that scenario. Then, okay. Uh, we got a lot of people in chat being like, uh, "Cavs need to trade Drummond. This is a showcase. They should trade him to a contender." Andre Drummond got traded for John Henson in a bag of balls last year. He has <laughs> essentially zero value on his contract. It's not that they like need to look for a trade partner. They need to find someone that's willing to absorb his salary. Uh, you will not get assets back uh, for Andre Drummond, or at least not any sort of real asset. The only appeal to Andre Drummond is that he doesn't have a player option this year like he did last year. He's not a value, guys. If he is, you don't get traded for John Henson. Yeah, the only the only pushback I get to that is that like Russell Westbrook's gotten traded multiple times on his contract, so so who knows? Russell Westbrook is a <laughs> multiple uh, All NBA player, not Andre Drummond. Um, uh, Andre Drummond might be though. I don't I don't know I don't know what his I don't know what his actual Wikipedia page is, but he might have made some All NBA third teams, right? I think he made a third once or twice. Um, I mean, when push comes to shove, like that. I don't know where he ends up. I assume the more likely scenario is that he gets bought out uh, because I don't think that there's any trade market for Andre Drummond. Uh, yeah, he is an all-NBA third-team member in 2016. I could see, like, yeah. Boston adding him. Boston could use some front court. And then, and then you get to reunite the very fun Tristan Thompson-Andre Drummond front court, which was a delight to figure out at the end of last year. So Drummond would fit into the Gordon Hayward player uh, – traded player exception obviously because gordon hayward signed for bukus of money um they 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 also have like 27 centers so i don't know everybody i've seen a lot of people say the raptors norman powell has to go out in that deal if you're okay with that then it could be the raptors otherwise they have no real mechanism to take him on and i don't get the sense that the raptors just want to spend luxury tax money just because so um, i think they're more likely to trade kyle lowry to a contender and get picks back than they are to try to take on guys to try to win this year i 1000 percent agree with you but like if philly hadn't remolded themselves so quickly i would really like kyle lowry to go to philly 
Um, not uh, just because he's a Philly guy, but I, I still think he can. I, I actually, I think that I think that's probably his most likely destination, especially because I think the Sixers could get pretty aggressive. Considering one, Daryl Morey, their GM, a historically very aggressive general manager, and then also is just a counter move to the Nets adding James Harden. They might feel like they have to do something to to you know to even up a little bit. Daryl Morey, very familiar with Kyle Lowry, former Rocket, got sprung from Houston and became uh, what he is today. Anyway, anything else for uh, Knicks and Cavs? I would love to just talk general basketball right now, but we've got six more games. Next Thursday would be fine. It would be uh, oh, today's not even Thursday, so what do I know? Uh, no, no, I think we've I think we've covered that uh, as much as we could for a game that is a sub two hundred total for the first time in five years. Yeah, the, pr- the problem with that game is just that there's so much like minutes value that even the crap total makes these guys playable. And that's never fun to Dallas. We go, well, technically we're going to Milwaukee, uh, Dallas at the Bucks, Bucks, six point favorites, 226 total. Dallas is still without, you know, a decent chunk of their team. No Josh Richardson, no DFS, no Dwight Powell, no Maxi, no Jalen Brunson. Man, this stuff is not fun any longer. Chris Epps Porzingis should play. Uh, minutes to be determined, I guess. Um, so let's start with Luca. 11-6 on FanDuel, 11K on DraftKings. I don't know. If you have the money, play him. This is not a great spot. Uh, I am not all that excited about Luka Doncic, especially at that salary. How are you feeling about him tonight? Yeah, so in my initial build, and this is going to go for both the high-priced options in this game, I didn't really get to Luka or Giannis much in uh, in my initial builds. If I had to roster one of them for this slate, I lean toward, I'd lean towards Giannis as a slightly better play. Uh, but as of now, not quite where I'm getting to. Now, of course, we end up just getting a ton of value on the slate in a few hours, which is very possible. That would change my outlook on Luca and on uh, Giannis. The player I have the most interest from on Dallas is going to be Willie Cauley-Stein. He played a pretty substantial role last game because of all the guys missing in the front court. Kristaps uh, Porzingis, as long as he isn't going to be playing like 30 minutes or anything like that today, Willie Cauley-Stein is going to be soaking up a lot of that playing time. Yeah, I gave Porzingis 24 minutes. I gave Willie Cauley-Stein 27. Um, he's quite chalky on DraftKings, 27.5% ownership at 4,500. I think that all makes sense. Uh, projections that I'm seeing wildly uh, all over the place on Willie Cauley-Stein. It's just a tricky spot. We don't have enough information on this team. I thought with everybody out, we would end up getting some value. And uh, it doesn't appear that we are. Uh, outside of you know getting Luca because his raw point ceiling is so high, it's kind of Willie Cauley Stein, and that's it. Like, do you want thirty-one hundred dollars West of Wundu? No, not at all. <laughs> I liked so I liked James Johnson a bunch the other slate, and it ended up working out. But it was not a good play in hindsight, even though he scored a lot of fantasy points because he played twenty-six minutes, which is fine, except the usage was low, and then he just picked up a bunch of defensive stats on Fanduel. So he had three steals and two blocks to get there. That's not sustainable. So I'm I'm not expecting a repeat performance. His price at 4,200 is okay, uh, but I don't like him nearly as much as I did the other slate, and I just kind of lucked out that he got a five steals and blocks. I don't anticipate having much, if anything, from Dallas as of right now, so I don't have anything to add here. All right, so the buck side it is then. I don't anticipate having much here. Uh, we could probably <laughs> move it on. Look, if you get to Giannis and you get to Chris Middleton, I don't ever mind getting stars because their upside in a raw points perspective is always high enough. So if you get to like 10% Giannis or 10% Middleton, I think that's fine. Middleton's 20% owned on FanDuel right now. That feels a little high. Uh, Giannis is at 10% ownership on DraftKings. No one else is in double digits. I don't really like this game from a fantasy perspective. Am I missing anything from Milwaukee? 
No, I, I agree with you. The only thing I'll say is that, and I'll ask you the same question, if you were on DraftKings where the, sat, where the positions are a little more flexible, if you could pay up for Giannis or Luka, which one of them would you get to? It's, it would, it's Giannis for me at a, at a slightly cheaper price. It's Luca for me. I have Luca in the optimal lineup 11% of the time. I have Giannis there 6% of the time. And I have Luca projected for more fantasy points than Giannis, mostly from a minutes perspective. Okay. They're probably equals if I took like a minute or two from Luca or gave Giannis any sort of reasonable run. But I give Giannis 33 minutes. I don't really know what else to do with his minutes. Yeah, that's fair. And then, I mean, as I said, in my initial builds, I'm not really getting to either of them in a significant way anyway. Yeah, that, the, the bigger takeaway is that I don't think that either one of them look fantastic. They're just guys you play because of their name, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, or if we just get a ton of value to open up. Also very true, which uh, the way this NBA season going, not all that surprising. Uh, let's move it on to Memphis at Minnesota. Memphis, three-point dogs in Minnesota, 224 total. John Morant is questionable for this yeah. game. I am not expecting him to play. Um, I don't know why you would do it unless he was just full bore ready to go. If he's in, I think he plays his normal full freight. Everybody else on the Grizzlies is going to look terrible, and we could talk about Morant then in a bit. But I'm assuming Raz of right now that he is out until I'm told otherwise. And if that's the case, Joe Val, Brandon Clark, Kyle Anderson, they're the only guys that I actually have any real interest in. And they're all basically like 10 to 15 percenters. And that's about where their ownership is. So nothing stands out to me from Memphis as guys that I want to lock down. There's no crazy value or anything like that. But I do want to have some exposure to the three guys that I mentioned. How are you treating the John Morant news? And what do you like from Memphis? Yeah, I don't know what to really make of it. I will say this, though. Uh, Brandon Clark, if Moran is out, he's the player I have the most interest in there. He struggled a little yeah. bit as a starter last season, but he's played much better in the starting lineup this year. And he also has been starting in place of uh, of Moran. And that might seem a little weird, except that is a switch they made when they started to play a little bit smaller line, uh, bigger lineups because Brandon Clark was not starting earlier in the year. And then they made that change after Morant got hurt. So I don't know what the starting lineup will look. I guess they could just go Clark and um, they could just go Clark and Valanciunas still in the front court and then start Morant over Tyus Jones, or maybe they'll still go small again. So I don't know what the starting lineup will look like, but Brandon Clark, I think would actually get impacted a lot. If, if Morant ends up playing uh, my favorite play on the team, if Morant is out though. Yeah, uh, we're on the same page. Uh, Brandon Clark grades out as my best option on FanDuel, at least. I actually like Joe Val more than Brandon Clark on DraftKings uh, just by a little bit. But if John Morant comes in, I assume I don't really like any of these guys. They're all going to be like a couple hundred dollars overpriced just because everyone's going to take a little bit of a usage hit with Morant back. And then what's uh, – um, I, I just have to check because I didn't even think to look at what Morant's price was this morning. Uh, so he's 8500 on FanDuel and – he is 7,500 on DraftKings. So I, I think I'd have a little bit of interest in Moran on DraftKings at that price yeah. point, but I wouldn't be willing to pay him at that, at that FanDuel price tag in his first game back. No, I'm out on him on FanDuel. DK looks viable. On the Minnesota side, we've got all sorts of weird news for the, the Wolves. So Juancho Hernan Gomez is out. Ricky Rubio is out. Jake Lehman is out. That's really going to shuffle some chairs around for the Wolves. Um, D'Angelo Russell, the only guy in double-digit ownership on FanDuel. On DraftKings, you get Towns, Josh Okoji, 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Jarrett Culver into double digits. Uh, I fully agree with the double digit ownership on Josh Akoji. It is also like one of the least exciting things to do in fantasy sports, whether it's rostering him. The other least exciting thing to do fade Steph Curry and watch him score multiple points in the first minute of a game that felt terrible last night three steel layup in the first 50 seconds I was like cool that's this is going to be a great fade I might as well turn this off anyway neither here nor there I think I like Minnesota a little bit more than the public does on FanDuel so if it's Malik Beasley at 6400 or $4,200 Jared Vanderbilt I don't mind grabbing those guys as low-owned flyers from a GPP perspective. And then on DraftKings, I think that some of these guys are just too cheap. So I understand the value on a Koji or Culver. Um, you know, Jared Vanderbilt's 3900 as I mentioned. Uh, that's a guy that I would get to. What are you making of this Minnesota team with these guys out? So here's somebody who I think is a good uh, contrarian play. And Anthony Edwards on FanDuel, 4500 reasonable price tag, only coming at 1% ownership. And... Without Ricky Rubio there, number one, I think on the second unit, Anthony Edwards is going to have to have the ball in his hands more. And then he also stands to gain a couple extra minutes. So as a contrarian option, I think that Anthony Edwards is the guy that stands out the most to me, at least for tournaments. Interesting. Interesting. How many minutes are you expecting Edwards to play tonight? Last two games haven't been great for him. So I have Edwards for 27 minutes right now. Okay, so we are very different. Um, have you looked into why he played, why he had reduced run over the past two games, played under 20 minutes in the past two? Uh, because he sucks at basketball and he hasn't made any shots. So his, I think it's really just performance related. The last two games he shot 0 of 8 from the field and 1 of 6. If you go back to three games ago, when he shot 5 of 11 from the field, he played 30 minutes. The game before he shot 9 of 21 from the field, he played 31 minutes. I really just think it's performance related that he has not played well the last couple of games. Do you think that Edwards is more likely to pick up additional run than Culver for this spot? I think it's going to depend on whoever plays better. I I don't think, I think they're both young players. I don't think the team has a real preference in terms of which guy is ahead of the other one or to get more run. I think it's just going to be whoever plays better when they're on the court is going to get more of the run. Hmm. Let's see here now. Uh, Any thoughts on, uh, uh, Jared Vanderbilt. Cause now you got me thinking that I'm over projecting him. Uh, and by the way, Jared Culver, the last two games played, uh, uh, 20 minutes and 10 minutes. And yeah. then Vanderbilt, I have Vanderbilt playing 24 minutes right now. Uh, okay. so, so maybe that's the difference. I think maybe you gave some of the minutes that I gave to Edwards to Vanderbilt. I gave Edwards 24 and Vanderbilt 26. Okay. So we kind of just have it inverse. Yeah, and that's a team where like I'm not really comfortable for it. This is going to be one that's going to be definitely in flux as we get closer to lock because they are missing a few pieces that have been getting regular run and hashing that out when they have all of these sort of like interchangeable guys is really not easy. Um, a lot of these guys could just go from 10 minutes to 30 minutes and it would not, wouldn't shock me all that much. I would say that Towns, Russell, Beasley, and Josh Okoji are the, like the four guys that I expect to get big run no matter what. And the rest of those guys probably up to circumstance. 
I don't have anything else for Memphis and Minnesota. Do you have anything else you want to touch on in this one? No, uh, I'm interested to see what that starting lineup looks like. Uh, but okay. I, I think I'm going to be looking at Anthony Edwards as a contrarian play. I don't really think I'm going to change off that. We have so much content coming up today, guys. After this show at 11 a.m., so coming up in like 20 minutes, 25 minutes, NFL lineup building show. Chris Spaggs, Alex Osimo Baker, Steve Buzzard, a.k.a. DeColtz, they will be on building some lineups for this weekend's NFL slates. That should be a good one. The NHL strategy show is on at 4 o'clock with Jake and Josh Harris. 5.30 p.m. NBA deeper dive. Alex Baker, Adam Share breaking down every single one of these games. Once again, they're going through all of them. They'll be on for an hour from 5.30 to 6.30 because Locke is at 5.30 or at 7.30 tonight. And then 6.30 Nerdass Greg is back with Chris Bags taking you to, to live before lock. So they'll be on from 6.30 to 7.30. You don't want to miss any of this stuff, guys. Make sure you're subscribed to that YouTube channel. Greg, what do you got? Uh, I was going to say, I don't actually think that's me on the show, unless unless the schedule changed. Um, Nerdass Greg, not on that show. Terry yeah, McBride <laughs> and Chris Spags going live before lock tonight. I knew that. Never uh, never updated it. Um, you, you, read, you read that off and that made, me, that made me open up the calendar. I was like, wait, 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 what? Because I have, I have plans later. I was like, yeah, did, I, did I mess something up? <laughs> no, my bad, my bad. I, don't, I didn't... Uh, didn't mean to do that too. Yes. So for those of you that didn't want to see Greg tonight on Live Before Lock, you are in luck. He's not actually on that show. Um, so you don't have to say anything. We could all just agree that, that everything has just become better. You don't, you don't have to play Joseph Nurkic tonight. That's what it means. Chicago Bulls at the Oklahoma City Thunder. Thunder slight favorites, 222 total. Uh, I thought that I was going to get a little bit more of the Bulls here, but I think it's mostly just going to the Thunder side. Zach Levine is 9K on FanDuel, 9,500 on DraftKings. That DK price tag is a little tough to stomach, but I, I think the FanDuel ownership is reasonable. I like him at 9K. Kobe White, 6,400 on FanDuel stands out to me as well as another guy that looks like a good play. He's already owned about 20% of the time, but or 20%, but I think that that ownership is fine, so I will likely be in that area as well. The play that I like the most, $7,400 Kobe White on DraftKings. I think it's a decent payup to be contrarian spot. No ownership coming in. I would be willing to take my shots in large field GPPs. Are you getting to anything from the Bulls? We're going to have Laurie Markinen back. Uh, Garrett Temple is questionable. There's all sorts of other weird stuff going on for the Bulls. Um, Otto Porter is probable. Sadoransky, Hutchison, both still out. But we are getting Markinen back, which is exciting. Yeah, and so with Markin and back, I think the usage gets dispersed a little bit there, so that brings those guys down. And they've also had price increases during the time he was out. So yeah. I didn't really get to these guys all that much. The only player I have some exposure to really is uh, Kobe White on FanDuel in my initial run. But even him, I came in underweight to the field on him. So nobody that really stands out to me is a good play from the bull side. There you go, guys. I, I agree on the DK side. It's, it's pretty tough. Um, the FanDuel side, obviously, clearly with you on Kobe White. Oklahoma City side, Al Horford is probable, so he will be back. Darius Baisley is questionable. I really like Baisley if he's not questionable, though. Stands out to me. Uh, 6,400 on FanDuel, 5,700 on DK. To me, one of my favorite plays. I'll happily get to 20 to 30% Shea Gilgis-Alexander like I do pretty much every other slate. I think Al Horford looks like a nice value on FanDuel at 5,500. Similar story for 5,600 on DraftKings. George Hill, 4,700 on DK is a guy that I'd be happy to get to. I think he's a little bit over-owned on FanDuel. This is a nice pace up spot for the Thunder. Are you getting to any of the guys from Oklahoma City? SGA, I think I've 
been overweight to him on maybe every slate the Thunder played this year. At least off the top of my head, I can't remember a slate where I did not have more exposure to SGA in the field. I think that he's in store for a really big season. So far this year, he's been mediocre, I guess, maybe a little bit underwhelming, but a lot of games where he's kind of played around his price point. There haven't been many massive games where he scores like 60 fantasy points or anything like that, but there haven't been many duds for him either. So it seems that he's generally priced fairly but I still think going forward he's going to have to have some big games also a favorable matchup for him against the Bulls where I think this spot gets really interesting is I agree with you if Baisley's in then he's a viable play but if he's out I don't know what that does to the Thunder's front court rotation because Baisley's playing a bunch of minutes for them and they've generally been pretty conservative about the playing time for guys like George Hill who obviously is a guard but also Al Horford so the point being just in general with the veteran players they're not giving them big minutes so that opens up a lot of minutes that need to be filled in the front court if Baisley doesn't play. Yeah, sign up uh, for some Pokashevsky, some Kenrich Williams. It's going to be a really fun night if uh, Baisley doesn't play. We're going to get some really real ugliness coming out of Oklahoma City. But I think Pokashevsky would be one of the first guys up to soak up additional time. He's 4K on FanDuel, 3,300 on DraftKings. I think he ends up being a value play that gets a lot of look, at least on DK. And then Kenrich Williams isn't very good regardless. <laughs> no, and Kenneth Williams, if I I don't think he's really been in the rotation much recently. He played, he played, played 15 minutes in the last game, so. Yeah, it, but that was also a blowout. They lost by uh, over, they lost by like 30 points. But the game before, right. which was a competitive game, he played three minutes. So yeah. I, I, I think that Kenneth Williams, I mean, I, I mean, it would matter if he plays eight minutes or something like that, just because it comes away from, from other players. Uh, but not somebody I would be considering. I assume the same for you, but. Pokashevsky, uh, maybe Dort, because maybe they might have to give him extended minutes and some smaller lineups at that point. Uh, but yeah, I'm interested to see what the starting lineup looks like because I have no clue who they'd start in place of Baisley. Yeah, uh, keep your eye on that one again. Follow at Awesomeo NBA so you can get those updates. Um, but Baisley being in, I really like him. Baisley being out, I like him less. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Atlanta. At the Utah Jazz, Jazz six-point favorites, 224.5 total. Uh, from the Atlanta side, we kind of know what's going on with the Hawks at this point. We know Bogdan Bogdanovich is going to be out for a while. Danilo Gallinari out for a couple more games. Chris Dunn still out for a while. We've got Onyeka Kongwu back. Rondo questionable. Clint Capella questionable. To me, it doesn't matter at all whether Rondo plays or not. If he is out, then you just play, or well, you don't play, but Brandon Goodwin takes the minutes. If Rondo is in, it's probably just Rondo's minutes. The question then becomes, how are we handling Clint Capella's current injury situation, and what do we do if Clint Capella is out? I think that John Collins has to play a really substantial role if Clint Capella is out. And the other thing, too, is with no Gallinari there, like this was a team that looked very deep a couple of weeks ago, not the case anymore. They're missing so many bodies so quickly now. Uh, and then also Chris Dunn out for an extended period of time. Like I mentioned, the Bogdanovich injury. They don't have very many bodies in the front court. John Collins will probably have to play a bunch of minutes. And even though Utah is one of the better defensive teams in the league, they have struggled in terms of giving up fantasy points to big men over the last handful of years. So it, it's yeah. not really as difficult to a fantasy matchup as it is in real life. But John Collins is somebody who I think would become the play that I look at the most if if Capella isn't in there. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. How many minutes do you think Okongwu can play if, let's say, if Clint Capella ends up out? Or are we talking probably just like backup center rotation, so something in that 14-minute like range? 
I don't know. I mean, it, it's so hard to say because, number one, we haven't really seen him on an NBA court to begin with. And then also you're dealing with the injury. So I, I can't imagine they're going to play him big minutes, but they also don't have other guys. I think it's just going to be, as long as John Collins doesn't get in foul trouble, I think it's going to be 36, 37 minutes of John Collins. Same. Uh, and I don't think Bruno Fernando, if it ends up not being Okongwu, I don't think that he would matter either. I really like Trey Young. 8,800 on FanDuel, 8,700 on DraftKings. I just think he's underpriced for his actual talent level. Uh, do you want to get to Trey here at a sub 9K price tag on both sides? Um, so I think that he's probably about a neutral play to use your vernacular there. He's still, I mean, the ownership's there. It's not like nobody's rostering him. He's at 15% on FanDuel. And then on DraftKings, he is also at 15%. If he was coming in at single-digit ownership, then I'd say, like, oh, look, Trey Young looks like a nice contrarian play, but he, he's somewhat popular. So it, it's not like he's going overlooked at his price point. No, 15% uh, owned on DK, 15 on FanDuel. I would happily take a little bit more than that. Uh, after that, though, it's probably just, you know, shares of Kevin Herter, shares of Cam Reddish, nothing really crazy. I don't have all that much interest in John Collins unless we get uh, news on Capella. I definitely don't like Capella all that much in this spot. Um, would you get to him if he's in? Uh, it's I, I wouldn't, and here's here's the reason why. I, I still think the price point on him is favorable, except he's dealt with so many injuries over the last year that I think that anytime he's listed as questionable, I, I assume the Hawks are just going to be conservative with his playing time. Okay. On the Utah side, we have no Joe Ingles, which is like one of the few things that can happen to actually open up value in Utah. Uh, Mitchell, Conley, Clarkson, and Boyan Bogdanovich all in like the 10 to 15% ownership range on FanDuel. That all seems fine. Uh, no one really getting any ownership other than Mike Conley on DraftKings. I don't know. It's the Utah Jazz. It's all relatively meh to me. Uh, do you like anybody from the Jazz with Ingles out? Uh, I think Jordan Clarkson, it, it pains me to say it, but I think that he ends up becoming viable. His usage has been really high as of late, uh, coming off the bench, 29%, 32% in the last couple of games. In general, he's been a high-usage guy uh, coming off the bench. Not not anybody who's ever been afraid to take shots, and now you have to give him a couple extra minutes with Joe Ingles out. And I think that for his price point, 5200 on FanDuel, uh, and maybe I feel a little bit burned by this because I did not get as much exposure to him as I should the other day when I had none, and he ended up scoring a million fantasy points against the Cavs and played garbage time also, which was kind of annoying. Uh, but it's also a favorable matchup for him against the Hawks. They are not a good defensive team in general, but especially not against guards. So Clarkson is the one that stands out the most to me on FanDuel. So Rudy Gobert at 8K is oddly the guy that I'm getting the most of on FanDuel. And he's projected for 7% ownership, laid an egg the last time out. This is a really good Rudy Gobert spot one way or the other, I think. But if Clint Capella ends up out, is this not like a great Rudy Gobert spot? No, it is. It, it, it definitely would be in that case, especially when you consider, look, look at some of the other guys on the high end at center. So like right now I have some exposure going to Drummond, exposure going to Vucevic, obviously. But now let's say that we have that situation where Jared Allen plays and we just don't know what to do with Andre Drummond's playing time. And we're just saying that he's not a good play. Then on the high end, we've got Carl Anthony Towns who's probably a little bit overpriced at 10,800 on FanDuel. We've got Vucevic picking up a bunch of ownership at 9,400. Then Gobert's just in a price range all by himself at 8,000. There's nobody near him. So I think just based on where he's at from a price perspective, 
I think I'd end up on him just because he creates his own kind of lineup build because there's nobody else priced within $800 of him. All righty. Anything else in this game? Uh, nope. I think that covers it. All righty. Two more games to go before we get to those two final games. I do want to mention the promo that we've got going on. Today is the last day to use the promo code Gretzky. Um, you can get the weekly pass of Awesome O Plus for everything. That'll be $29.95. And you can get an NHL $3 week. You can get Awesome O Plus NHL for 3 bucks. Just use that promo code Gretzky. It ends today, though, guys. So if you're trying to get in to awesomeo.com, today is the last day to use the promo code Gretzky. G-R-E-T-Z. K-Y, that would be the code to use. Use that at awesomeo.com slash join. New Orleans Pelicans at the Los Angeles Lakers. Lakers, eight and a half point favorites, 220 and a half total. No Lonzo Ball for the Pelicans. Eric Bledsoe is questionable. If Eric Bledsoe plays, I think he's the best play on the Pelicans. If he doesn't, I assume that we are going to get to at least a little bit of Nikhil Alexander-Walker, particularly on DraftKings where he's only 4,400. FanDuel has uh, priced him up a bit. Um, If Bledsoe is in, I do like Brandon Ingram a little bit. Uh, I don't have all that much interest in Zion Williamson on either site. Uh, He is back after missing the last game. What are you trying to do with the Pelicans? How are you feeling about Eric Bledsoe? How are you feeling about Nikhil Alexander-Walker? Uh, so Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Bledsoe's out. The price on DraftKings is way too low because we look at his numbers against the Clippers last game, ended up playing 33 minutes, 35% usage rating, so scored 37 points. He's always been a guy, even when he's inefficient, he takes a bunch of shots when he's on the court. Yeah. So that DraftKings price is just too low for him if Bledsoe's out. If Bledsoe's in, I agree with you with him on FanDuel and – I mean, in general, people have uh, known my stance on Eric Bledsoe this year. I play him a ton on FanDuel. He's always cheap, and based on his historical production, he's been somebody who generally should be priced a lot higher than this. And after a slow start to the season, he's generally played pretty well over the last, like, five or six games. And at 5200 it's just the price is incorrect for a guy in Eric Bledsoe who has usually in the past been priced around 7000 and is going to play a pretty big role for the Pelicans when he's actually healthy. Yeah, if he's in, I absolutely positively want to get to Eric Bledsoe. He's like a one fantasy point per minute guy, and if I can get 34 minutes of him, look, it's an eye irritation. If he's back, like he's playing the full run. It's not like he's nursing a knee injury or anything like that. Just wear an eye patch, do something. Yeah, watch him get poked poked in the eye now in the (laughs) the first play of the game. So he was my number one contender, actually, on DK. Um, Happy to shill those videos go watch them guys they're up right now on the youtube channel bledsoe and ingram are the guys that i have the most interest in and then if bledsoe ends up out you have to play a ton of Nikhil alexander walker on DraftKings because 4400 is just an impossible price do you like Nikhil alexander walker if bledsoe is in i wouldn't and on DraftKings, i would have a little bit of exposure i wouldn't at all on fanduel but it wouldn't be in a significant way to Nikhil alexander walker just be somebody who's who exists in the player pool, but not that like I'm going out of my way to fit into a ton of lineups. If Bledsoe is in, I had Nikhil Alexander-Walker at 24 minutes. That put him in the optimal about 10% of the time. I think that feels pretty reasonable for him because it's still, he's going to see at least a little bit of a minutes increase and uh, you know, 4,400 is worth it for a guy that's just going to gun when he's out there. And I tried to run a couple of queries too, to see like how he does when other guys are on the floor. It doesn't matter. That dude's shooting no matter who else is out there with him. It was his first game of this. So if you remember last year, I think it was a two game slate to open the season. Nikhil Alexander, he ended up being a, like a fairly chalk play for the first slate of last year. And he, he, was played, ten- did he? 
No, he played. He just didn't really score fantasy points. He he came, okay. but he he came out. He had like a thirty percent usage rating in his twenty minutes, and ended up shooting like one of thirteen from the field or something ridiculous like that. I remember he was playing for everybody's fantasy team when when he went out there on on opening night. But that's always resonated with me in my head in terms of playing him, just because I know that when he's on the court, he's going to he's going to shoot. Yeah, I, he got a lot of love in summer league, and I think people carried that over to that first game of the year. And then he immediately found himself not in the rotation whatsoever because he, he, he shot himself. Options. He shot himself out of it. Yeah. Uh, well, this one should not take basically zero time. Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers. Wesley Matthews might be back. I I don't think that it matters at all. What do you want to do with Anthony Davis, LeBron James, and Dennis Schroeder? Because there's nobody else on this team that matters. Yeah, I mean, we still have the issue where it's just that with all of these extra bodies on the Lakers, and by the way, LeBron James and Anthony Davis, shocker, listed as questionable for this late. I put no weight into that. They're going to be listed as questionable every single game so far this year. So if yep. Lakers do feel like they want to rest one of these guys at some point, they have that as a fallback. Say so like, no, look, he's really injured. Look, he's questionable on the injury report. So that that whole thing's a total farce. But here's here's the issue with now LeBron James and Anthony Davis they were really a two-man wrecking crew last year, and now that they've added Dennis Schroeder and Montrez Harrell to the mix, it's just a lot more usage getting spread around. So it's, it's really muted the ceilings of LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, yep. If I had to roster one of them, I think AD makes for the slightly stronger play on this slate. But still, these are guys that I have not been getting to a whole lot recently. We are on the same page. If we got to anybody to be AD over LeBron, I don't get the sense that I'll have much of either one of them. Uh, as value opens up, these guys will become more and more interesting just because their raw ceilings are better and you'll have the money to get to them. But this is not a spot that I'm all that interested in uh, to pay up for. Final game. One game. One game. Los Angeles Clippers at the Sacramento Kings. Clippers six-point favorites in Sacramento, 229.5 total. For the Clippers, we do have a little bit of injury news that we need to keep an eye on, and it will be pretty important. Patrick Beverly, questionable. Lou Williams, also questionable. Um, Look, there are plenty of permutations of what happens if either one of those guys end up out. Uh, Luke Kennard, probably the first guy to benefit. If they both end up out, fire up your Reggie Jacksons, everybody, because that'll be just quite the treat for everyone. Uh, As of right now, I have both of those guys in. And this is sort of just the same story as the other LA team. Like I'll get to Kawhi Leonard. I'll get to some Paul George. Neither one of them are all that exciting. Although $8,800 Paul George on FanDuel definitely stands out more than any of the other studs from Los Angeles. I don't have much else interest other than Marcus Morris is 3,700 on, on DraftKings. Might be a little bit of a value play. Going to play in like the mid twenties in minutes. How are you managing the Clippers today? Especially with these questionable tags on uh, Beverly and Lou will. So here's the hope, right? Cause I, there's very little chance that we're going to get updates on these guys before lock. This is the last game of the slate. We see this all the time with the LA teams. If guys listed as questionable, if either or both of them are ruled out, this is going to open up some value and it's going to be value that people aren't going to switch to. So when you mentioned Reggie Jackson there, like if we get both these guys out, Reggie Jackson is going to be a, like a sub 10% own play that is going to profile as one of the best value plays on the slate. So this is one where even though I don't think there's any reason to roster Patrick Beverly Williams on the slate, you have to pay attention to these guys because the, the potential best spot to find uh, upside and positive EV on this slate is going to be the potential for rostering some cheap guy who moves into the Clippers starting lineup that the field just isn't going to be on if these guys get ruled out. Yeah, uh, Reggie Jackson, flat minimum on DraftKings today. I believe he's either 3,600 or 3,800 on FanDuel. It doesn't really matter all that much. 
you have to be prepared to make some swaps here. And if you have two spots open, you're probably like swapping down to Reggie Jackson and up to one of Kawhi or Paul George, LeBron or AD. There's certainly, you're, you're going to create a bunch of salary and have places to spend it at the very least, given uh, the, the way that the late games are set up. Uh, if they both play, do you like anything in this game? No, uh, there's nobody to really stand out a strong play. By the way, just I, it took me a second to find Reggie Jackson. Listed as a shooting guard on FanDuel at 3,800. I was looking through all the point guards. I was like, why is Reggie Jackson not listed? And it's uh, because he's not at his position. Uh, so, Obviously. <laughs> uh, but no, nobody else is somebody that I'm getting to in my initial builds. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, 9,600. That's probably the one that makes the most sense. Shooting guard, if we look at Paul George, at 8,800, it's just a little bit rich. And the ownership's already there. He's coming in at 25% ownership. So Paul George, actually the most popular shooting guard play on FanDuel as of now. Fine with it. Uh, I just don't think that it's all that exciting. On the Sacramento side, no one on DraftKings is owned north of 4%. Uh, on the FanDuel side, De'Aaron Fox is at 22% ownership. I think that is completely reasonable at 7,300. That price tag is broken. Halliburton is at nine. Nobody else picking up any ownership. So I kind of agree with the public. I want to get a bunch of De'Aaron Fox at point guard on FanDuel. And I probably won't get to all that much from the Sacramento Kings either way. Nothing stands out as a very nice play. Maybe more Fox at 8,100, but um, that seems like a scary price tag. What do you want to do with Sacramento? And then let's uh, get out of here. So there is one player on Sacramento that I like a little bit, and that's Buddy Heald. So Heald, who his minutes last game, he played 38 minutes last game. And the minutes have fluctuated a little bit, but we've seen him play 38 minutes now three times this season. He's at a 5,700 price tag. uh, Somebody who is capable of scoring a bunch of points in bunches. Also something we saw him do last game. And his ownership only projected at 4% on FanDuel. I think that he's probably a better play than his ownership suggests. So as a tournament option, I like Buddy Heald on FanDuel. More expensive on DraftKings, don't really have interest in him there. And then De'Aaron Fox on FanDuel, I've been De'Aaron Fox guy all season. So somebody that I would definitely be willing to roster at his price point because it's just too cheap. He's about $1,000 cheaper than he is on DK. Any final thoughts for this entire slate before we turn it over to the NFL show, Spags, Alex, and DeColtz? That will do it. There we go, guys. Thank you for joining us on this final strategy show of the work week. Hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell so you know when everything goes live. Greg and I are done for the day. We're not on live before lock. I might have said differently otherwise earlier, but that is not the case. So Greg and I are done from an NBA perspective. Good luck tonight, everybody. Enjoy your weekend. We will be back again for strategy shows and stuff tomorrow. But uh, for right now, that's the end of this one. Go watch the NFL show. Different stream, same channel, awesomeo.com. We out.